Hey everybody, this is Philip from Altcoin Buzz, where you get the news, reviews, and the interviews. And today we have Charlie, another Altcoin Buzz team member, and a very special guest, Fran from Internext. How are you guys doing today? Hey, cool. Very nice. Perfect. Thank you guys both for being on this show. To get started, I wanted to ask you, Fran, how did you get into cryptocurrency how did you hear about this whole thing yeah so it's funny um internet actually got into to actually uh, appearing before this hype during november december peaked so basically uh, i was telling uh charlie before I had a, a previous company which was called one site which was a web hosting company and yeah it was it was going fine i had it for almost a year but it wasn't growing fast enough so i thought of ways of of course making grow faster. So I thought of decentralizing websites as a way of doing that uh, because it would be pretty innovative for a, an industry that's actually pretty traditional. So could sort of disrupt it. Uh, I, I thought of doing that at one side, uh, but after seeing how big of a thing decentralization was, because I also have a few colleagues in the decentralized industry who also told me about it. For example, I'm uh, friends with the founder of Aragon, Luis. I don't know if you've heard about Aragon. Uh, it's a, like a decentralized organization platform. So they told me about it. I, I started researching for a few months and I thought of uh, actually starting all these decentralized project at another company because it was too big to start it at, you know, just one site and do decentralized websites. So I started Internext to do a bunch of other decentralized services. And then I sold one site uh, and I started Internext. Wow. That is amazing because you're only 20 years old. I yeah. ask this to all of the people that I interview, what was the first step that you really took to really get this thing started? Because people have ideas, but they just don't know where to start. Yeah, so basically, I, as I said, I sold internet, I sold uh, one site, I worked at a company called Hostinger for a few years. And with the money I, I, I had, I started Internext. We did a small ICO with basically the money I had saved up. And yeah, and that's and basically how I got it started. I, I hired a few developers to help me out via angel.co. These developers are still with us, part of the core team. And, and yeah, that's how I, we started. We, we did a crowd sale and then we, yeah, we, we, now we, we're developing xCloud and xCore. Yeah. Perfect. And I'm glad you mentioned those two things. Um, explain your project to us. What is it all about? Yeah. So basically at Internex, we want to replace current internet services at any level you can imagine by providing like levels of security and privacy that people actually, we believe, deserve. Because right now with Google and basically with any service you use, mostly any service, companies, governments, and even hackers have a very easy to access your data, I, I would say. So yeah, so we're creating these services which look as awesome as these uh, uh, mass already massively uh, adopted services, but with proper levels of security and privacy. Our first service is, is called xCloud, which runs on Xcore, which will be the heart of all our future services. <clears throat> so basically, yeah, Xcore is the infrastructure that runs this decentralized network uh, with uh, our encryption protocol, with uh, yeah, the distribution and replication of. Uh, in, in this case, uh, files, and and yeah, and xCloud basically is a cloud file storage platform, yeah, to replace Dropbox, Amazon S3, and so on. And I know you can um, lend your computing power to InterNext to earn your ERC20 token. Can you explain that process a little bit more? Yeah, <clears throat> so just like with Airbnb, you can rent your spare space to, you know, people are willing to use it. Um, and yeah, you, you know, the, the internet supply is actually limited. It's, it's already rich, like no more tokens are gonna be created. So yeah, so basically how, how, how this works is me as a user, I can pay in dollars for xCloud. These dollars then get converted into internext at a market price. Basically we buy them automatically. Uh, and then we distribute these internet tokens among amongst uh, hosts. Okay, so it is free to join the X Core, but the X Cloud you have to pay for. Can you explain the X Cloud a little bit more in detail? 
Yeah. So basically, the main people who will be using Xcore are basically hosts. So it's more like, like a developer program sort of thing, like a, something more technical uh, that hosts. I mean, not technical, but you know, more niche if you want, like for people who want to rent out their space. Uh, XCloud is our main service, and that would be what you know. Basically, we want everyone to use. And and you know, basically, uh, yeah, XCloud is a cloud storage platform that uses file replication, file distribution, and file encryption, end-to-end -end encryption to provide a cloud platform. So all the benefits of the cloud, uh, cloud uh, so where you can upload your like all your files, basically, which get automatically synchronized, and 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 yeah, and uh, it's a cloud that brings all the yeah all the benefits of the internet of the cloud, but with the security and privacy that uh, we think people deserve. And reading your white paper, just so I understand this right, you distribute parts of the encryption key to different X-Core servers so it cannot be compromised? Yeah, we distribute files uh, via file distribution and we replicate them amongst different machines so that if one machine goes down, the file can still be accessed. And we also use end-to-end -end encryption so that if, say, a hacker or even the person owning the laptop wants to hack the file, first of all, he will only be able to get a partial file, which is totally useless unless you get all the other parts which are randomly uh, like assigned to computers all over the world. So if someone hacks a laptop, basically, he will get a piece of file, which is end-to-end -end encrypted, meaning that not only it will be useless because it's not a file, a complete file, it'll also be useless because it's end-to-end -end encrypted, so they can't access to it. Perfect. And let's say our users, they join Xcore so they can lend out space on their computer. If they want to use their computer, is it going to be slowing down because other people are accessing its power? Um, can you clarify a little bit on that? Yeah. Um, so that's, uh, I guess, a concern people have. But, but no, actually, uh, I mean, it obviously uh, make your computer slightly slow, but it's nothing that people will be able to notice, especially with, you know, the computing power we, we, we get with laptops nowadays or computers nowadays. Uh, it's a process that runs on the background. And, you know, for the daily tasks uh, that one runs, it shouldn't be noticeable at all. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're a limited laptop in terms of resources and you want to, I don't know, run Photoshop or, I don't know, some Adobe program that consumes a lot of resources, then maybe better close that second process program, uh, which is export. And basically any other like Telegram or whatever you have open to to run that uh, fo Photoshop or whatever. Uh, but yeah, but other than that, uh, like for that specific task, I think uh, it shouldn't be uh, noticeable at all. And right now, getting into the cloud storage market is competing with a lot of big names. Do you think these big brands like Apple or other cloud storage platforms are going to be trying to compete with you? Yeah, totally. And they may and they may even implement some of the technology we're using. Like uh, they may also, I don't know, use proper end-to-end -end encryption or also distribute their uh, files somehow. Yeah, they, they, they'll certainly try to compete with us. The big companies, uh, so they certainly want to want to remain competitive and innovate. So we, we are we are aware of that. And and, and yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, the companies aren't doing anything to compete with us directly, as in. They aren't implementing any of the technologies we've, we've already implemented. So we're already technically superior to them. So we're offering a superior technology that offers proper security measures for the user. So at this point, we're, we're better than them. And to be honest, although I, th I think these companies want to remain competitive, I don't know how profitable it is for these companies to actually not gather any user information at all, because that's basically their business. So Google... Google basically wants to gather as much information as they can from the user. So I don't know how interesting it is for them to implement proper end-to-end -end encryption and so on. So I have a follow-up question on that. On your website, you say that you focus on privacy, security, uh, for it, uh, the product to be cheap, and for the speed. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a little bit hesitant on the speed, actually, because... If I'm thinking correctly, the speed depends on the size of the network, right? Mm -hmm. And by now, at least, the, the big companies have large server halls and so on. So how do you tackle that problem that 
you're dependent of a large network size while the, the big companies have a lot of liquidity that they can put into the resources, so to speak. Yeah, so um, so speed uh, certainly is a challenge we, we face because obviously a distributed network has many more ongoing processes as in like if compared to a you know simply centralized platform where you just you know gather the file from a from server because in our case files are distributed so you have to gather them from different laptops which are using different uh, network speeds and so on so that's actually an issue storage has uh, and that's what we're improving also when compared to them so for example we're playing with uh, different latency speeds so for example we're so if I am trying to access my file from, say, Spain, I will I will get the pieces of the file which are closest to me, uh, and that actually doesn't happen with Google. Like, it can't happen with Google Drive, for example, because Google Drive, say, it has servers on the UK and the US, for example. If they do the latency uh, thing, like they will they will be able to bring the file from their UK server, but never from a Spain server or even you know, service from my own city. So that should certainly uh, you know, speed up our, our processes. So yeah, and, and also we're working on a ranking uh, so that only the fastest uh, network speeds like, can actually contribute to our platform or, or will be rewarded better than the ones who use a slower network speed. And there will also be minimum thresholds uh, that you have to surpass to be able to become an X-Core uh, contributor. So yeah, so we shouldn't have the speed issue, I, I believe. That, that shouldn't be noticeable at all. Uh, and, and we may even um, make it to be faster than current uh, massively adopted uh, providers. That's it. Exactly what I was thinking as well is the more people that start using the X-Core, the faster everything is going to get. So as yeah. soon as this catches some traction and starts getting more and more users, the network's going to speed up more and more. Absolutely. I really love the idea of decentralization. That's why we're all in blockchain technology. The one thing that does concern me is, for example, if somebody commits a serious crime and somebody wants to investigate it in the government, if this is decentralized and nobody can access somebody's personal cloud, is there any way that the government could search into this person's history or files that he has stored onto your cloud? Right. No, there's not. So and you may think that that's kind of an ethical issue we have. You know, some people actually ask that question quite a lot. In fact, when I started Internex, um, I had an interview with a big uh, Spanish newspaper, and that's the first thing they ask. Uh, my answer is always the same. So basically, you know, technology progresses and technology is there. And basically, if a hacker, I sorry, if a terrorist or someone who wants to commit illegal activities wants to use 100% opaque service like ours, they will be able to do that. So, I mean, we're not the ones enabling this to happen. There's plenty of other services, smaller, very niche services for these kind of people in the black market because this technology exists. They know it and they will use it. So. It's, it's like saying that, uh, I don't know, Telegram is a bad service because it's super like uh, encrypted and super like opaque as well. I mean, sure. I mean, but you could actually claim that for any for anything like people are going to use it for good. People are going to use it for bad. But that doesn't make the technology. I mean, that, that can't stop the technology that's going to be there. And I don't know. It, it, it certainly is an interesting topic. Of course. And there's always different processes and procedures that you can implement in the future to, you know, prevent from that. For example, do you think you guys may want to, you know, do a little background check or maybe not a full background check, but at least research the person that's trying to use your service to make sure that they're not bad people? Yeah, so we certainly don't want to be used by bad people, so to speak. Uh, so, yes, we, we, we're planning to ask for certain verifications you know, for, for, for users to sign up because, yeah, we certainly want to be a service that's used, you know, for the good. But again, the fact that some people may be able to use it for the bad doesn't make this technology bad, doesn't make, I mean, you can't stop technology. So governments should 
try to find their ways into hacking into these new technologies by, you know, making their uh, employees learn into this stuff and yeah, progressing themselves. But you can't stop technology. So the technology itself isn't bad. People who use it for the bad are the ones who are bad. And we, we'll do the best we can to stop them, but it's not really on us that much. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And, and it's a difficult ethical question, so to speak. It is. But you're also mentioning in your white paper, I think, or I have read it somewhere that when you compare yourself to your decentralized competitors, you say that you won't be as completely opaque as the other ones like storage and CIA and so on. And you're also mentioning that you try to, to, to attack this problem by implementing some sort of detection of illegal work, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you elaborate a bit on that? Yeah. So as I said, we certainly want to be used by the good people. So, so yeah, we're running a, a couple of processes to actually help us achieve that goal. So the first thing we're doing is, of course, doing a background check that not a very intrusive one because we also want people to use us. So we can't ask for a bunch of stuff that, you know, because we, we, we want to compete with Google Drive. So so we can't, you know, ask for 20 steps to sign up with us. Uh, but yeah, we, we're doing that. And so, so certainly soon we also want to implement a some kind of algorithm that could help us somehow detect malicious activity somehow but that's going to be very complicated there's going to be a very big challenge we have especially because we ourselves don't have access to the files either because we don't have the user encryption keys we don't have anything so that's something we may be able to implement at some point i don't know how but it's not our main concern to be honest because we're here actually to provide proper levels of security and privacy so uh, i don't think you know entering a file like I, I use files are something is something we're interested in to be honest. To change the topic a little bit, explain your token. Why is your token valuable? Right. So we see our token as some kind of I don't know startup uh, shares, so to speak. So non-equity shares, which are very liquid, like much more liquid than say a share. Of a startup owned by a venture capital, which is zero liquid, basically. Um, so it's a very liquid share, so to speak. Um, and it's actually tied to the product's demand because, as I said, if we get, say, $10 million in revenue, that gets bought, like that, that gets converted in Internext by buying them on the market. So the price of Internext is uh, directly linked to the product demand, which, in my opinion, makes it much more interesting because basically it's, it's, it's a much less speculative so to speak, kind of asset. So yeah, so I, that's how I see uh, our token. And I think that if we, for example, ever do an IPO uh, in the future, like, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years, I think our token can coexist with the uh, with the IPO stock we have because uh, a token will be linked to our product demand, whereas the IPO stocks won't. Uh, or, or maybe, I don't know, we will see in 10 years, maybe we can even kind of uh, mix both things Kind of make start uh, like IPO shares linked on the blockchain. So so basically, token holders would now be shareholders. But yeah, we will see what happens. But yeah, I said I certainly think that internet uh, internet token is something very interesting for the long term. And I love the cloud storage. But one of my um, favorite aspects is the amount of tokens that you're going to be having. Can you explain why you chose to? have such a low supply of tokens and when you estimate that all the tokens will be bought? Right. So all the tokens are already bought. So the main reason why we have 600,000 tokens as a max and circulating supply, it, like to be honest, it, it didn't depend. Like it wasn't my decision, my direct decision. It was just the amount of tokens we sold in the crowd sale. So basically we like, when you do a crowd sale, an ICO, you have all these huge people spending millions of dollars in marketing, and you know then they get a lot of a lot of uh, you know exposure and, and they can sell a lot of a lot of tokens. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the project is better. Uh, as I said, I started the crowd, I did the crowd sale basically with the money I had saved, in, in, you know, for, from selling one side and by working at Hostinger. And as you say, I'm also 20, so I couldn't save up that much. So so basically, yeah, we, we did a small crowd sale, and that that's why we have so many few tokens. And, but we're not going to create any more. 
So the value per token, I'm expecting it to increase very, very much, actually. I mean, we, we already reached uh, a price which was 30 times the price we run in, within the ICO. And we expect this to, to be even higher, more people know about us, and especially as we release our products, uh, because then, we re then there will be a real demand for the token. So that will certainly increase the price per token. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, I think that the fact that you have such low amount of tokens can spike the price enormously if you, if you fulfill on your promises, so to speak. But I want to clarify something as well, that will you, as a user of xCloud, for example, will you use the tokens to pay for this service? Right. So um, yes, you can. Uh, that's potential answer because uh, we still, are, of course, defining all these stuff. But basically, um, how we want the main, like the the average user to pay is basically paying in dollars. Because to be honest, I'm not a fan of decentralized, global, or even local to companies cryptocurrencies. So as a means of payment, to be honest, I don't see cryptocurrencies as a thing. I can answer why uh, also, but but basically, yeah, uh, I see more internet as a as an asset that's tied to the company value. So so yeah, so people will be able to pay in internet. They may get a discount for doing so, but those who pay in dollars, those dollars will get converted into internet tokens uh, by buying them from the, mar from the market. Because to be honest, I don't think it's practical for companies to force people to use their own cryptocurrency. You see, it'd be crazy. Like for example, I need to go to the supermarket. I need to pay in the you know, cryptocurrency of the supermarket, I need to go to, I don't know, Uber, I need to pay in their cryptocurrency, it's not practical. Like we're not, I think we're evolving, but not that way. We're evolving into a much more globalized, unique market, uh, so to speak, yeah. Right, still, but if the, the users pay with the dollars, it will be converted into Internex, and thereby when the demand rises, the, the also right. the liquidity and volume of the Internex uh, token will exactly. rise. But we won't force the user to pay in internet because that we think that's stupid, <laughs> basically. That's a good call, I think. Yeah. So, Fran, this is getting me very excited. Are you telling me that you're not a fan of Bitcoin? Yeah. Um, so I'm not actually. Um, like I'm not. I'm not a fan of Bitcoin, and I'm not a fan of Litecoin, and I'm not a fan of any other cryptocurrency that's meant to be used. But uh, I think, I don't know, that people are also intelligent and I don't know, like, like okay, so I'm going to explain it <laughs> because maybe people understand it. So why am, I not fine, why am I not a fan of a cryptocurrency as a means of payment? So at a local scale, as, as I said, it's because it's not practical. Like, as I said, to have different companies use different cryptocurrencies and forcing people to, to, to pay in different cryptocurrencies. That's really stupid, I think, because that's going backwards, not forward, because that's zero practical. But you may claim, okay, fair enough. But what about Litecoin, for example, which you know could be used as uh, as a means of payment, as a global cryptocurrency, which is decentralized, which in theory, and I agree, is better than a government-controlled currency. So that's a very good point, and that's what probably your viewers also think, and I, and I also agree. You know, to that uh, until a few months ago, when I actually spoke to Vitalik Buterin, founder of Ethereum, and actually that conversation is on Twitter. So if people go into my Twitter, they will see it around. Where I actually ask that, ask the following question, which is, if the value of, like, the, if the supply of Litecoin is limited, or even of Bitcoin with their Lightning ne network that allows them to process payments faster. But if their, if their supply is limited, wouldn't that produce a deflationary uh, effect on other products? So basically, basically, currency is meant to be used to spend it. But if the value of the currency continuously grow, goes up, then what's the point in currency? Because people will just hold it or hodl it instead of spending it because basically the, the, the value of the currency keeps on going up because there's a limited supply. So I think that although it's really awesome to have a decentralized currency, because of course it's not government, government controlled, I think that the current big propositions we have are not very interesting because of the limited supply thing, which would make currency not a currency, but an asset to as a store of value. Another aspect that you might like is something like Ripple, because one of the biggest problems is if I want to send money from the United States to Spain, it's going to take 
five business days to get the money over there. But Ripple, banks can convert their currency to Ripple, transport it to the bank in four minutes, and then they can transport it back into their local currency. Is that something that you support? Yeah, exactly. So Ripple is doing something like internext with their currency. Like, I mean, totally different industries and, and whatever, but they aren't, yeah, they aren't forcing people to use their currency to pay for like their service or whatever. Their currency is used in the background to actually improve stuff. Uh, or like it has a proper use, but in the background. Um, so I do see that as an interesting uh, value proposition. Yeah, I agree. And actually, uh, there's a lot of companies already implementing it in their systems. Uh, a lot of uh, banks and uh, companies I'm reading lately. So yeah, they do have an interesting value proposition. Yeah. Um, now getting back to your token, where are we going to store our tokens? Are you going to have your own wallet? So our token is an ERC20. Why? Because uh, basically it was faster to do an ERC20 uh, and there was no point in spending resources uh, into creating our own cryptocurrency because we don't want our cryptocurrency to do anything special. We don't want it to fly. We just want it to basically run a process in the background, which is very simple and to raise in volume our and to raise in price as our demand raise, raises. So pretty simple. We decided that an ERC-20 would be very interesting. Um, so that's what we used. And yeah, you can actually store it at any uh, wallet where you can store Ethereum or ERC-20s, Ethereum tokens. So yeah, so my crypto, which was the old, my Ether wallet, apparently. So yeah, my crypto or, you know, basically any any Ethereum, uh, you know, wallet, uh, like Trezor, Ledger, yeah. And it... Hacks are the latest trend in the cryptocurrency world. Everybody's worried about something getting hacked, something getting hacked. How is it that you're going to make sure, or what would you recommend your customers to do to make sure that their tokens are secured and they don't get hacked? Right. So in terms of storing our tokens so that they don't get hacked, basically definitely not storing them in exchanges because that, again, kind of is against the kind of value of decentralization, if you want, because you're storing the tokens in a third party, which can basically shut down and then you're fucked. Um, so we, we, of course, recommend people to store the tokens on a private key, which they only own. Yeah, potentially use a hardware wallet, which is, which they think is secure enough for them. That's how we, we suggest people to use to, to, to store the tokens if they want security. And now let's talk about exchanges. I know you guys are on D Ether Delta and some other exchanges. Can you explain the process that you have to go through to get on exchanges? How hard is it or difficult to get on the bigger exchanges? Right. Yeah. So basically, yeah, we are on Ether Delta, Yobit, Coin Exchange, Mercatos, mainly. So getting on exchanges is really tough and incredibly expensive process ridiculously expensive to be honest so so yeah um because basically because there's some there's been so much hype in the industry that there's been like millions of coins like not millions but like thousands of coins created and of course it, these want to get listed so exchanges are like overwhelmed so so yes but we play that trend to kind of calm down in the coming months as this hype you know has come down already so yeah we, we're listed in, the, in these exchanges and exchange listing coin price and so on basically depend on how much we progress in terms of development and marketing. So, you know, we will certainly get listed in more exchanges this year. Yeah, we, we won't pay ridiculous prices to get listed on complete crap exchanges which aren't, which aren't legally tied to anything and which can disappear at any point. So we won't pay ridiculous prices for that. So we won't go, go for those exchanges, but we want to get listed in proper exchanges, Bittrex, Binance. And potentially, you know, Coinbase maybe in a few years or later this year or next year. But yeah, uh, I think exchanges will come as we progress. And you technically don't even need to get your tokens from the exchange if you use the Xcore platform. So you would just pay people instead of getting the tokens on the exchange. Is that correct? Yeah. So, so basically, yeah, uh, that's also very interesting because we, we let people pay in dollars, which we think is very practical, yeah, uh, and, and still, you know, raise the price of internet because internet is tied to the demand of the product uh, without being a bottleneck for the service. So, so yeah, 
people don't have to go into the exchange by internet to pay for the service. And then, which brings me to my next topic, companies. I think this cloud storage would be great for businesses to yeah. hold their customer data and things like that. Yeah. Are you going to be having sales rep yeah. talk to different yeah. businesses? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we think that businesses, almost any scale, especially startups and mid-sized businesses, which can't, you know, afford to have their own cloud, like their own secure cloud, like locally and so on. Because basically, you know, like local clouds, like the companies use, they, they do provide the, the benefits of the cloud so people can use the, can access their stuff from anywhere. But it's also secure because it's like local and themselves and, and they, so that's pretty cool actually. But not everyone can afford that. Not all companies can afford that. Like I'd say like maybe 1% can. So yeah, we, we, we definitely have uh, salespeople reaching out to startups and companies who want to have their accounting information or user data storely, uh, securely stored. Maybe they use Google Drive right now or Amazon S3 or Dropbox or whatever. And our solution is you know, certainly more interesting. And what I love about it is that people that don't even really know about cryptocurrency or the blockchain much can still use your cloud storage. You can go up to Walmart and say, we have a yeah. cloud storage that nobody can access. It's the safest yeah. cloud storage platform. So that's my favorite part. Yeah, yeah. So like, unlike storage, unlike storage, uh, storage or Saya and uh, MadeSafe, which are our competitors, which also have a great technology, we, we want to reach the mass market. So we're not putting any difficulties for the mass, like for the, for the average person to, to, to use us. So we make it very simple. With our marketing, we also want to target that kind of people because basically we think we're providing something very interesting. And it's a pity actually that companies like Storage or Saya aren't working towards that goal, basically towards, like how I say it is, Basically, it's like Apple some 20 years ago bringing the personal computer to people and actually, you know, because, you know, the, you had all these companies like IBM developing also great technology for computing, but the average consumer was like, okay, so what? Like, how can I use this? I don't care. But Apple, what they did was bringing this awesome technology into the average consumer by saying, okay, this is the technology and this is all you can do with it and it's really simple, so do it. And that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um and that's something I really like about you guys also that 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 you sort of touches when you when you're talking about it that you you're really focusing on the user experience and and that's that brings as you say in in your website website yourself closer to the larger crowd and that's what gives you the most potential according to me do you have any thoughts about that yeah so so indeed i think what's interesting about internet you know potentially xcloud when compared to Storage, Saya, and MadeSafe, is basically yeah our mass market approach, and we 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 see that in our interfaces, in how we communicate, our marketing, yeah. So that's what mainly differentiates us from store, uh, platforms like Storage, that which we are much more consumer oriented, whereas they're much more technology oriented. Yes, that that's great. User friendliness is the most important aspect if you want growth and if your website or platform is simple to use that an everyday person regardless of their age can click a couple buttons and use your platform it's going to go a lot better than if you have to copy and paste different codes and do everything like that so i really love that part right yeah also with this cloud storage a person like me, is going to save a lot less information than a business. Um, what are your pricing in terms like that? How much storage do you sell? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. So our pricing will be similar to the one of Saya, actually. like we, 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 we still have to, of course, narrow down the pricing much more, but that, that will come in the coming months. Uh, but yeah, so basically, uh, Saya is very interesting because they are actually cheaper than Amazon S3 and Google Cloud and Microsoft Azure and, you know, their storage networks. So, you know, big businesses won't, like, or any kind of business, actually, they won't only use it because we're safer. They will also use us because we're cheaper. So that's interesting. And then also, 
switching topics a little bit about your social media. Do you guys have a big campaign to try and get more involved on social media? I really have not seen your online presence as much as some of these other companies. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, like um, you mean as in terms of uh, promoting us in third party uh, channels or our own social media? Exactly. Channel? You know, just making the awareness. How are you going to get the awareness out there? Right. So uh, till now, since we haven't basically released anything yet, because the alpha is still coming out on the 27th of February, we haven't been that hardcore on marketing, although we've still grown like a lot, to be honest. And yeah, and, uh, you know, to promote the alpha release, we're also doing a series of promotions. We're running a big AdWords campaign. We're running a campaign on Etherscan, which is already live. We're running a campaign on CoinMarketCap as well. Yeah. So we, we, we're doing stuff. Uh, but once we release xCloud Alpha, and of course, as the xCloud commercial version you know, is on the way, we'll like do uh, bigger marketing efforts to get the word, like, yeah, to, to get the word out there. So, so yeah. Yeah, uh, about your release, the 27th on, on February. Really excited for, for reading about this and, and you'll update your white paper, if I understood yeah. it correctly. And right. uh, do, do you want to elaborate a bit on what you're going to release and, and uh, what sort of information that the general public will, will get in this moment? Yeah, so all this stuff, I'm writing it in a, in a medium post, which will come out on the day of the release. But what I can say about it, actually, this hasn't been published anywhere because, of course, this is all like internal. But we are expecting the xCloud Alpha version, uh, which will, of course, include the xCore version as well. We expect to have a lot of stuff, like much more than what we originally expected. So files are already being distributed, replicated, and encrypted using our AES 256 CTR encryption protocol. So basically, all the core infrastructure that distributes, replicates, and encrypts files is ready. People can already sign up and log in when downloading xCloud on their desktop device. So that's also very interesting because when logging in from, from another desktop, uh, other files will be on their xCloud folder already synchronized, basically. And that's already on the alpha. Right now, also, hosts will be able to run xCore and host pieces of encrypted files in their machines. And of course, until the commercial version of xCloud is released, uh, we advise them to, like, we advise basically people using xCloud uh, to use it very carefully and not for, you know, actual use, but mainly to test it because uh, we've still got to debug the code. Uh, we've still got to work on the interfaces, and, and and of course, people hosting files until the commercial version, they will do it mainly just to test it and to help people out. Uh, I may also run it on my machine to help. People you know, the network, our developers also. So, but yeah, uh, so the alpha is gonna have a bunch of stuff we weren't planning to. We may even, like, we, we, we will of course publish the code on GitHub and from the alpha onwards, all the code will be like uh, continuously updated on GitHub. Not like now, because right now, basically we, we were working on the product design and starting development. So that's why we didn't push anything on GitHub till today, until the 27th of February. But yeah, from then on, everything will be public continuously. and. What we may also have for the alpha is an installer for Mac and uh, Windows. Uh, so basically, like it depends. Uh, like worst case, people will have to download their GitHub, our GitHub code, and compile it into their machine. Best case for the alpha, we will we'll already have download buttons where you can actually download the code, which will already be compiled uh, for your machine. So you just have to click install, and that's it. And if that's not ready for the alpha, which will potentially be, if that, but that's, if that's not ready, it'll be ready a few days later. And as I said, all the coding will be transparent, so it'll just go live as soon as it's ready. That's very nice to hear. And yeah. looking a bit further, in April, you'll have the beta version, and in May, you have the first stable version. And then in, in the summer, you'll have your, for your launch, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so we may uh, even be ahead of schedule um, because as I said, we've accomplished a lot, especially with our last hires, because we've we've grown our team. So of course we we had a way more team when 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 we you know scheduled everything. So yeah, we we'll potentially be ahead of schedule, and if we are lucky, our stable release in in May will potentially also be the commercial release. Yeah. So if we if we're lucky, we'll be ahead of schedule. 
I think that's very likely uh, to happen, yeah. Perfect. And speaking of your roadmap, what are your goals for the next five years, you as a company? Yeah. So we want to replace as many decentralized internet services as we can, starting with file storage on the cloud. Uh, but yeah, we, we certainly are looking at other stuff. Uh, this is, what other stuff are we looking at? This is something our community asks us a lot. We do have an internal list of stuff we, we want to develop. And of course, I don't know exactly what we will tackle after this, uh, after xCloud. But yeah, we, we, we're interested in basically any kind of uh, other in, internet service that you know, has potential to, you know, to, to be improved uh, with these kind of more secure technologies. So, for example, in the future, we may even run our own internet service, internet service provider. Yeah, you know, a, a decentralized ISP uh, to fight net, to fight uh, for net neutrality from the very core. We may even run a decentralized VPN. We may even run a decentralized operating system. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at a bunch of stuff. Decentralized websites is also something we're looking at. There's a bunch of stuff of stuff we're actually looking at. Uh, we don't know what we'll tackle right after xCloud. The, the good thing also is that uh, the development of that new service will be potentially faster, like, like relatively faster, because we have already XCore developed, and that's meant to be used by most of our services, most of our future services. So since we've already done, since we're already done with that, uh, then our future services will be, you know, faster to to develop. And then I have been told that there is kind of a shortage on developers or coders that understand blockchain technology properly. Have you had a problem finding people that can code this program for you? Yeah, we totally have actually. And uh, I mean, it's probably a very big challenge for all the companies in the industry because it's a relatively new thing. And yeah, and you don't find a lot of developers. Uh, so there's a very limited supply. So prices for develop for developers are also high, and you have to search very well. So we, we we did have to like I mean our main hiring platform is Angel.co, so they could they can come to us there. But you know for developers, you know for example for our CDO we had to get help from agencies specialized in you know blockchain development, because you can't always wait for them like for them to come to you, especially if you're a small company, and especially if it's this kind of job. So so yeah. Potentially, you, you need external help uh, from specialized agencies to help you out find the right people. So, talking about your features, so to speak, I want to question you about a problem that I see that I think is general for the decentralized community, and that's sort of the support problem. What, what will happen if a person loses its or her uh, password, for instance? Well, I mean, you can log into your uh, platform for, 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 for xCloud, just like you do for Google Drive, uh, we will have two factor authentication enabled as per default. Because, for example, one of the issues, you know, Apple Cloud or Google Drive or whatever, or, you know, all these kind of massively adopted services have is that they don't have that enabled per se. Uh, they have a very weak uh, enabling system for that, or a, a very weak two step authentication system. So we will have that enabled per default so that if your laptop gets hacked, people won't be able to access xCloud right away. But yeah, regarding your password, um, yeah, I mean, we, we're not like a fully decentralized project, like for example, EtherDelta, which is like complete, you know, decentralized. We are providing decentralized internet services, but we're also a company that improves its services and that provides support. So if your password gets lost, just like with Google Drive, you can recover it. So we will, you know, for sure, make sure that uh, we have the, if we have enough measures for you to recover your password in a secure manner, but if you lose your password, you won't lose your files because we don't think that's, you know, interesting at all. Perfect. So, yeah, for example, with all these wallets or exchanges, if you forget the password, you have to input your private key. So you're not going to have that aspect. If you lose the private key, it doesn't matter. Support's going to be able to make it so you can keep recovering your files. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's 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 actually how it works. So, if if you lose your password to enter xCloud, you'll just be able to reset it. Perfect. Is there any other announcements or shoutouts that you wanted to to make? Um, yeah, that's mainly it. Actually, uh, the xCloud Alpha coming out February the twenty seventh. Preparing a bunch of stuff for that. We're preparing yeah blog posts for that. We'll announce it everywhere. We're already doing marketing for that. 
we potentially will see how that goes. We, we, we may have a video recording of me basically explaining more, more or less what will be on the Medium article as well, but maybe more interactive if I explain it as well. We will see if that goes well, though. We'll be working on that. Uh, and if we like it, we will also release it. Uh, so yeah, the alpha will will be out. I think that's very important because if you check our coin market cap right now, it's really undervalued. Like if you check our, you know, the coins that are in front of us, they're like most of them are complete crap. So why are we also so undervalued? Uh, in my opinion, is because we haven't released any code whatsoever till now. So the code release will certainly be a big moment for our currency for our project. And of course, the stable and commercial release will be even bigger. So the good news is that the hardest part for Internex is over, which was the internal development. And now, I mean, I said it to the community the other day, I really thank those people who have been with us since the very beginning, because now I think it's going to be very exciting times for Internex. And you obviously are working hard as ever to get this project to the standards that you want to keep it at. Can you tell the viewers a little bit about your work schedule? You're only 20 years old. When I was 20, I wanted to go out and party with my friends. Um, tell us a little bit about your life. Yeah, so my life, as people can imagine, is work a lot. I mean, I don't mind it, to be honest. It's something I chose because I like it. Like, uh, for me, working at Internex is not something boring or something. It's not actually work. It's, it's doing what I like. Because if I, had, if I didn't have my company, I don't know what I'd do because it's, this is something... I really like, and that's why I'm doing it. So it's like my hobby, and that's what I like, you know, investing my time in. Uh, it, it really makes me very happy. So yeah, I'm, I'm working a lot from my from my laptop, but yeah, I mean, I, I whenever I can, I also go out with my friends, study, go to the gym, and do a bunch of other stuff I'm interested in. But yeah, I, 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 I'd say I have a pretty cool life, life and I, I think I'm really happy with how I managed to organize it. Yeah, being an entrepreneur, it's your passion. That is your hobby, yeah. is working. You know, I actually have a, a full-time job outside of this, but it seems like even when I'm at my full-time job, I cannot stop obsessing with cryptocurrency. Yeah. So yeah. I, I love that you do yeah. exactly totally. what you love. You could do it all day long and all night. Correct. Yeah, I think it's very thrilling that, you know, someone is able to do, and also very lucky as well, that we are able to do, what we like because there's a lot of people who aren't able to do that and that's unfortunate uh but yeah we're very lucky i think are your friends interested in possibly trying to help you with your company i mean my friends are now like very like looking up to me so this kind of thing because they're all like since cryptocurrency and all this crap became so much of a thing you know you know they, they became interested in my company i also think that they will that, that will stop eventually because uh, cryptocurrency, as I said, had a lot of crap, which is like 99% of it was pure hype with no reason of being. So all this cryptocurrency thing will be, the, the whole topic itself will go down and it will become more of a mature topic, like talking about stocks or, you know, usual companies. So, so yeah. So, um, but, but at this point, yeah, uh, since everyone is so much into cryptocurrency, it's it's very exciting, yeah. But also in the future, uh, because we're gonna make it long term. Those interested in companies and serious stuff will certainly be also interested in what we're doing. Perfect. And is there any shout outs you wanted to make to any special individuals? Your family, anybody, friends? Yeah, my family. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, basically, yeah. Uh, thanks to everyone uh, who supported me. You know, when you get exposed to the public, in one way or, or another, you. You know, you get some haters, of course, everyone, even Ellen DeGeneres, who is like the most awesome person ever. She has haters. Everyone has haters who have like no life, nothing else to do but to publish hate, which is really sad. But but yeah, I mean, that's a very small percentage of people. And yeah, I, I, I definitely, uh, you know, thank, you know, all those who, who actually supported us. Your parents, when you told them that you were going to start your own project what did they say did they understand the blockchain yeah so i've been an entrepreneur an entrepreneur since i was like 13 or 14 so they're used to me managing my stuff and going my way so that was kind of fine although this project was more dangerous somehow because uh it's a very new industry 
it's the most innovative project I've ever been in. And because of that, there's no strict regulation into how you, into how to do things. So yeah, so they were, you know, kind of more scared because of that compared to previous projects, because of course there's no, I mean, we're doing things very like properly with our law departments, with our law firms to, you know, adapt to the current regulations in Spain where a company is registered. Uh, but of course there's a lot of uncertainties as well, but you know, we're doing things properly and we are actually trying to cooperate with the Spanish government into implementing crypto regulations in a way that makes sense. So I think that, you know, we're a very serious company taking things very seriously and professionally. And I think we, we will definitely be fine from that point of view in the long term, unlike other companies which get, which get shut down or whatever. That's great. Haters, they can get to people. You being an entrepreneur, you obviously have thick skin, but it's good to say that you're always keeping a positive outlook on your project, even when there are struggles. Have you encountered any setbacks or struggles that you didn't expect yet? I mean, it's it's a very challenging project in terms of development. We've, you know, especially in the product design, which is, you know, basically defining exactly what you're going to develop, how, what are you going to use. That took us quite a bit of time and that was very challenging, I think. But yeah, I mean, we're going to have another challenge, which is, you know, actually facing Dropbox and Google Drive and Amazon and Apple and Microsoft. So that's going to be a big challenge as well. But so far, we've been doing well uh, facing all the challenges we've had. And, uh, you know, we've, we're a passionate group of people working really hard in something that makes sense. So we think we'll be fine. Perfect. You know, I could talk to you all day long, Fran, about your <laughs> life and how you work on this project. But we are running out of time. I really appreciate your time. I hope that this project goes as well as I'm expecting it to go. I, I believe that it's not, like you were saying, a currency that's just going to die out in a couple Correct. of months. This is a project that's here to stay, that's actually yep. providing a service for everyone in the world, which is what this technology is about. And yep. also, thank you so much, Charlie, for being on this podcast, too. You asked some very great questions. And Fran, we really look forward to talking to you again when your market caps at a billion dollars yeah totally i'll be i'll be around so yeah we, we definitely stay in touch uh thanks a lot for the interview it was very interesting and yeah and I, I definitely hope that viewers like it so yeah and yeah please be sure to follow the internex project on social media their link is going to be down in the descriptions also be sure to like comment subscribe to this youtube channel go on our twitter our instagram also our website and our steam it and again, we really appreciate all your support and we will see you at the next interview.